Hello, Red Hawk listeners. This is Meg Dunback with Inside Marist. Thanks for being here and for listening to learn more about all the life happening inside Marist High School. Today on the podcast, I have three current employees of Marist who contributed and have contributed in big ways to Marist over the years. They are special to me since they were here in the 90s when I was a teacher. Doesn't that sound crazy? I'll just say that time doesn't stop and we're all aging as we speak. Anyway, these fine Marist graduates are Mike Brennan, Eric Christensen, and Patrick Ryan. We'll talk about life for them as a Marist student, as well as an employee, and why they made the choice to return to their alma mater. I will preface this one with this. I am anticipating lots of laughs and a great conversation. Sit back and enjoy this one. All right. Good morning, boys. Good morning, And welcome to the podcast. So excited. I just kind of said in the intro that I'm expecting lots of laughs, and we were already laughing before we pressed record. So some of those things we probably cannot say, will not say. But I'm just anticipating that there'll be more of those situations and reactions to stories that we're about to tell. But um, I'm excited about this one just because I'm connected to them before I feel like I'm connected to them for myself prior life as a principal. So welcome to the podcast. And hopefully we can kind of climb through all things that you guys have in connection to Marist. It's starting with who you are, where you grew up, a little bit about your family background, and maybe what led you to Marist in no particular order. If one of you would like to begin, here we go. Yeah, sure. Um, first boss, thanks for having us on here. This was <laughs> yes, great. He calls me boss. Um, for me, it was a family thing. So back in seventh and eighth grade, I was a student at St. Gall School near the Gage Park area. And uh, my dad and uncle were both Marist graduates. So for me, it was a family thing. My parents were very Catholic, very middle class. And uh, after eighth grade came around, it really came down to a decision of what Catholic school I was going to. And uh, they were very good and pushing me towards Marist High School, and I was really thankful they did. I had a brother that also went here, um, so that was really the steering factor is my dad, my family, the Catholic faith, and uh, it being a really good school that was close enough, but had the education that uh, I wasn't afforded where I was living. Very nice. Anyone else? Yeah, I... Um, <clears throat> You know, my, my parents, uh, they told me I could go to any high school I want as long as it was Catholic and all boys. And so I made the rounds. I, and back then, that was a big, big scope. There yeah. was, I think, 10 at the time. There were a lot, yeah. Um, I, I shadowed at, at Rice and Rita and, and Lawrence and Marist. And um, I, I felt Marist was kind of the, the, the cream of the crop. Um, it had everything we were looking for. And... Um, it just it felt like the right place. We didn't have a family connection here. My my dad and his brothers went to St. Rita, but he was not married to that. And so um, when I picked Marist, they were supportive, and I ended up my younger brother went through here and graduated after me. But um, yeah, it, it was just kind of the place that I felt the most at home. Yeah, uh, my dad was good friends with Ken Styler, so growing up all those years at St. Linus, uh, he would drop us off at the summer basketball camps with Ken, starting in like second grade. So for me, it was always just natural. It was just going to happen. It wasn't really a, a choice. It was just kind of how we lived. My older brother went here uh, and enjoyed it, and I felt good about coming here. And uh, my younger brother came, and then we went co-ed just in time for my sister to be the first class of girls to attend Marist, which was uh, really special uh, for me that she got to experience what we had experienced here all those years. Um, yeah. So I know that when I interview a lot of the kids now, one of the big factors for them is that they shadow. And um, my memory's a little hazy on the shadow days back then because I think we had them Speaking of when I was here in the mid-90s, you know, when you were here at that, time, at that time, I remember we had them, 
However, I don't think that they were um, once a week like we have them now. I don't feel like they were um, what they are now. So do you guys, did you shadow? Do you remember shadowing or was it just the open house or was it just these other factors that you just mentioned? Like, what do you remember about finally like getting your body in the building? I, I shadowed and that's kind of what sealed the deal for me. Um, I, I actually shadowed Pat Dunn. Um, so I, I knew Pat and um, got a ride you know, to Marist with him and his brother and went through his classes. And I, I mean, it was, I think it was a little bit rowdier then. Uh, you know, you, you got to go through the lunch line and, and you had seniors trying to pile everything onto your tray and take advantage of you as, <laughs> it a, as a shadow. It honestly was so was, different when it was all it was boys, great. it really. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, the shadow day was what, what sealed it for me. I remember, you know, kind of walking in with Pat and wondering what is this all about and just recognizing then I think you know that that this was a better place than any of the other schools I've been to. Yeah, and hopefully the teachers made you feel special when you came. I think that, that we do a good job about that with the shadows too. Do you you don't remember the teacher part of it or feeling part of the class? I rem I do remember that having shadows in the class, and I remember asking the shadows to participate, and they kind of look at you like a deer in the headlights, like I'm not in I'm not a freshman in high school yet. Why are you asking me what this what this means? I don't know and trying to fold them into what we were doing, not necessarily to, to, to show like this is a year older than where you are, two years older, but at least to make them feel connected to the space at, in the moment, you know? Yeah, I shadowed my older brother Mike when he was a sophomore and I was in eighth grade. And I vividly remember his geometry class with uh, Jeff Nicholson. Uh, so I was sitting in there and Mr. Nicholson, uh, he was intentional in trying to make <laughs> Uh, the shadows feel part of the class and feel part of the community and he was real funny and he was able to teach his lesson that day but he definitely engaged with the shadows and made you feel like this was a fun place uh, and a special place to be yeah I did you shadow yeah I did not shadow I my exposure to Marist was uh, more along the lines of athletics so we did a lot of stuff at De La Salle and St. Lawrence and uh, St. Rita and Marist and Brother Rice and for me, it was more about, like, the way the place felt. Mm -hmm. And I always thought, I just felt like Marist was just better. I'll just say it how it is. Yeah, just yeah, better. yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so what else do you remember about your early days of Marist? So as a Ooh. student, I mean, this part Mr. Brazen, be... Al Brazen. Al Brazen, for <laughs> yeah. sure. Standing at the point every morning, making sure you were in dress code and you addressed him, good morning, sir, where are you... Where are you going today? There was no roaming the hallways in the morning back then. There really were, wasn't. If you were in the building, there was, there were, where you there were not kids as kids today. Like if they're walking and the prayer begins, they just stop. That was like, that was just, oh, heck no. If you were in the, the hallway when the prayer began were, at the beginning of the day. Not good. Nope. Not was, good. You better be running somewhere to get there on time. Yeah, so there was, there was a little bit more of a sense of ownership on the student part about um, accountability for yes. your actions. Is that a good way for me to phrase it? You know, like they didn't want to get caught, whereas now it's like, I'll just go and get a late slip, you know? So I feel like you gotta, we, we gotta bring a little bit of that back. <laughs> we try to, but it's almost like the attitude of the student is so different. And then they'll just get a couple of, tardy so to speak and then maybe go and serve their detention and well, move when on I was, when i was you guys up, didn't want to do that my grandfather and parents always talked about catholic schools you send your kids there for the discipline yeah and so that was like i was exposed to that notion my whole entire life so once i stepped foot in this building my parents were expecting that i was going to be disciplined and i was going to learn how to obey the rules and if i didn't there was going to be hell to pay when i got yeah. home yeah Hell to pay is right. Mm -hmm. and, and we probably all grew up in atmospheres like that, which is also different in the homes of, you know, not not 100% different, but slightly different. It's not that there is no discipline. There's a lot of discipline here. I mean, I, I'm coming from a different world, so there's a definite, a, a definite accountability piece here. And the kids, for the most part, follow suit. I'm just saying that there's this, this little line where they, they don't care to flirt with it, and you guys just never went near it. Because you knew. Yeah, you knew, and that was. I think that's the difference. You knew that there were there were consequences for every every action. You knew, and you knew what they were, and you knew that they would be enforced every time, without fail. There was no break. There was no, you know, we, we weren't maybe as, as warm and fuzzy as we are now, uh, and you just you did what you were supposed to do because you did not want 
you didn't want the consequence that was coming, whatever that might have been. And for me, I walked the line once or twice in high school. Of course, who doesn't? You're a boy. But I, I knew... I knew better than to, I want to use the word disrespect, like, for example, Brother Hank, uh, Mr. Melito, Mr. Glennon. Like, those are just guys who demanded your respect because they earned it, Mm -hmm. and you did not want to cross them. Mm -hmm. Uh, You you might be able to get away with locking up to the line, but you better retreat when um, the time is right. It it was, for me, it was about not wanting to disappoint a lot of the people that were kind of... I don't know, in charge of us, looking over us, yeah. trying to educate. Giving of themselves so Absolutely. that you could do better in your life and be better, you know, like, yeah. What do you remember? So, so the discipline, even um, dress code back then, I remember that was, because this year we is the first year without the tie, and I wonder how you guys felt about that. Oh, you're so excited. Nice decision. But, yeah, but I, I, that was, I, I'm telling you that that was a decision that was brought up by somebody who's been here 40 years. And you wouldn't believe that, you know, behind closed doors was Mr. Nzinga and Mr. Perkle, our two current deans, that said, you know, we need to revisit this. And as we always say, Champagne said, pay attention to the signs of the times. Like, people aren't wearing ties in the real world as much. Even when you go to weddings and things, people are, are sometimes, you know, they're not wearing a tie like they once did. So what is the purpose? Some people just like the look. They think it's a little more of a buttoned-up you know, um, professional attire. Um, and I think I have run, run into some alumni other than the three of you who've a little bit been like, what are you doing over there? And I, I, I'm like, I'm telling you, this was not my idea. I didn't bring the tie, but even something as slight as the tie seems to change the dial in the minds of some people about the discipline must be getting looser that you don't have to, to do those things. I think the kids, um, welcomed that i wondered if some kids would still wear a tie because they can if they want to and so far it seems like most of them are not reaching for their tie in the morning Uh, but even things like buttoning uh or, or buttoning up your shirt to a certain place or things like tucking in your shirt making sure your belt was showing you know all of the things that i remember was really really the dress code was a a real real thing is it you know like now i remember even the hockey team was the first group to bring something other than a sweater and it was a fleece and it was a big deal that they had a fleece like a quarter zip fleece that you could actually wear and it said Marist hockey on it and I remember I bought one that was like yes we have these other things and now it's like sweatshirts and hoodies and you're you're allowed to wear a crew neck sweatshirt mm-hmm. here as long as it says Marist on it so little things have relaxed about the dress code too so any thoughts on the dress code or how you think that impacted you I will never wear a tie in this building ever again. <laughs> I, you know, I, and you don't have to. Yeah. I, for me, it was like a, it was just a self-discipline thing. Like you knew you knew what the expectation was, and I. But I also think it taught me to be comfortable in any situation. Like I never felt uncomfortable wearing a tie. I never felt uncomfortable, like putting on a suit to go to a job interview or anything like that. And I know people would say like, why, why do you get dressed up? And I always come back to hear like this is I'm not dressed up like I, I'm used to wearing a shirt and tie every day mm-hmm. to high school mm-hmm. and so I just I felt comfortable being attired in whatever way was appropriate like it I guess it kind of made me used to uh you know, or made me comfortable in any situation, I guess, for lack of a better term. And some teachers even will say that, you know, kids' attitude is different when they're wearing a certain something. And um, I, I, I go back and forth about that because I feel like I don't know that that's necessarily true. I feel like if they're engaged to, to learn in the classroom, it doesn't really always matter what they're wearing that kind of brings that goodness to their learning, you know. I, uh, looking back when I was in high school, there were two tangible things that my father taught me. The first one was how to tie a tie before the first day of school and then how to drive. Uh, and, uh, looking back now, 20 years later, that it's a nice memory to have of my father teaching me how to tie my tie properly before the first day of high school. And then all the years I spent in the counseling office when students come in looking for a tie, and then you realize yeah. they don't know how to oh, yeah. tie a tie, yeah. so then I help them tie a tie. Yeah. Oh, we would tie ties <laughs> all, the all the time. All the yeah. time. 
the boys used to just untie them enough to wiggle them down yeah, and yeah. then hang them in their lockers and then the next day take it out, wiggle it back up. Yep. One tie. <laughs> One tie for four years. Mm-hmm. That's why they were disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> and this year, or last year, my first year here was like, you know, they were cutting their ties off their necks. I'm like, okay, this is becoming, this is a little too much. All right, so moving on from discipline, what do you remember about your classes? Like your the academic piece of being here, like from freshman to senior year. This is when I, I know that this also means me. So, open fire. You never thought you'd have an opportunity to, to bring some things up. <laughs> I was in... Most of my classes were 36 boys, so it was six rows of six in all the classes I took. So uh, that was a lot of a lot of people in a classroom, and I feel like half the time the teachers had to focus on the classroom management uh, to keep the students engaged yeah. and on task with the lesson. Uh, but I remember the the interactions with most of my teachers, the high expectations the teachers had for us, nightly homework. And it was not an option not to do your homework. Uh, in that sense, knowing that you're doing the homework to prepare for the test. So if you didn't do the homework, you knew you were going to fail mm-hmm. the exam that was coming up. Any other memories that you guys might have? Or you're, you're probably I, really, I really remember individual teachers um, and, and the way they would push us. I mean, I, I, could, I could go on and on about the individual names in the English department and the math department, um, but, but there's always just a sense of, like, you know, doing better, getting better at it, whether it was in the classroom, in the football field, even if it was tying your tie up to the, you know, to the top button, and it was about the challenge and trying to get the best out of you. Yeah, that's, that's very, very true. I mean, my, my first class was with you. My, my very no. first class. Ever? Class. Yeah. Yeah, wow. that's when he always says Mate, his first. Mate, <laughs> freshman like year. Was, yeah, like freshman year first. Yep. Wow. So walking in the door was, you know, what is this going to be? And, and it was your class. Um, and, I mean, I would echo the things you guys all said, but I – and then they're all true. And I, I think the, the, the thing that I can maybe add just to be a little, a little different was I just remember – I remember the interactions with the teachers. Like there was, there was just a sense of like community and fun, and and how much it seemed that you all enjoyed working with one another, and 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 as much as you pushed us, um, there was there was an element of fun to it that that you enjoyed being here, and and I think that kind of filtered down to us that we enjoyed being here because of maybe the joy that we saw that you all had. Um, it was being, fun. Being in, it was. It yeah, was. It was a lot of fun. I mean, it was a, a, a lively environment. I mean, with eighteen hundred boys or whatever it was, <laughs> it was insane at times. But you know, it. I think that fun kind of rubbed off uh, on all of us at the same time. I remember when I first arrived here, and you know, not being from the South Side or even from Illinois, getting here, and the first pep rally in the fall. Mm. And I remember walking mm. down this hallway here where my office is past the point and towards the gym and you could hear the band. And then I remember going in there and seeing all those boys in the stands and they were just like pumped <laughs> up to be at this. And I just was like, where am I right now? <laughs> it this was, is yeah. a little, this is a little much, you know, um, but the excitement and the, you guys were into it. I also always tell the kids now about the student sections of old because there's aspects of things you know you're never going to bring back and you don't want to live in the rearview mirror but you want you'd hope that that has influence over the now especially in a traditional setting such as Maris so I keep telling them when we're standing at the football games or standing at volleyball games or standing at basketball games last year and hopefully this year you guys got to get creative you got to get creative and they seem like as soon as we get down they get down, you know, or as you guys, it didn't matter. You were, I mean, Mike Woolley and I would be up in those student <laughs> sections with you when yep. we'd be doing, I mean, we would, oh my God, and it sounds so silly and ridiculous, but it was, there was, you know, hundreds of us standing in the student sections and you couldn't wait. You'd be jumping up and down, you'd be high-fiving. It just seems a little different now in the student sections. And they're there. They're present. They show up for the most part, most for football and then, you know, trickles down for the other sports. But they still are just like looking around for the kid next to them 
to show them what to do and how to do it. And you want to say, like, just cheer for the team. You're here to cheer for Marist. And you guys seem to understand that. I, I think with it being all boys, there was, we weren't trying to impress anyone. You know, we we weren't we were just there with one another, yeah, maybe that enjoying. Yeah. I think just enjoying each other's company and and knowing that we were going berserk for Ooh. our friends that were right. you know on the court or on right. the field, yeah, on the ice. I mean, I I'm sure we can all think back to those games, but like it was, it was, yeah, yeah. The football that, came out for volleyball and uh, came out for basketball, came uh, out for you know whatever. You always had something going on because you always had friends with the, something. To and do. you didn't have to text to tell them. Nope. No, you, you just, just you showed just up. Went. You knew that you just showed up because people would be there. And there were themes back then, and you guys would show up wearing theme things, but not to the degree of now. Now yeah. it seems like the theme is more than the cheering. Yeah. So it's like let's get back to the basics. Yeah. Just maybe show up and cheer as loudly as you can yeah. without swearing or without saying silly, silly things, <laughs> silly, <laughs> slogans. silly slogans. Yeah. You know. Keep it classy. I, my husband and I were talking about uh, one of the times that, I don't know if it was a Brother Rice basketball game, and as soon as our players came out, or their players came out, our team just took out the newspapers and all put them up like they had something better to do to read the newspaper <laughs> than to watch when their team was announced. And, like, just that silly, that silly behavior. That is not anything, you know. Anyway. Um so you felt prepared when you were here. You just talked a little bit about the academics. Did you ever feel, and you felt challenged. Um, do you ever, did you ever feel like you, you couldn't do it? Because there's a lot of kids, I think, now struggling and feeling like, you know, they're not going to make it and those types of things. Or did you feel like, do you remember that specifically? That's kind of hard for me to ask you that. But is that, do you remember there were times when you were like, you know, this is really, really hard. So I feel like now with kids, when things get hard, it's another thing they run from instead of saying, like, no, it gets hard. you got to figure it out. Yeah, I remember uh, junior year having to take chemistry. And I had the mindset that I'm not a good math student, so that means I'm not a good science student, and this class is going to be awful. Uh, and I ended up having Mrs. Augustin, and uh, she was probably one of the best teachers I, ha I had because she forced me to learn chemistry. And it wasn't fun, and it was the maybe the first class I that I realized when I walk into that classroom, it's 43 minutes of my brain being on and engaging with the material for 43 minutes. And I had never been in a class where I actually had to engage with material for 43 minutes just in order to get a C on the test, yeah. to be an average student. Uh, but she provided a lot of assistance, a lot of support. She managed the classroom of 36 boys well. She never got off task with the lesson. She would introduce the lesson. She'd have us go into the lab and do it. We'd go back into the classroom. She'd reinforce what we just learned. Uh, but it was an exhausting experience. <laughs> it was very exhausting. But it, uh, looking back, I, I can say that was the class where I had to take some ownership of my own learning for mm -hmm. the first time. And like you just said, you got to see. And that's exactly. okay. And I was an average And that's student. okay. And that's okay. I think nowadays it's a little bit like, yes, there are kids that feel like if I get a C, that's okay. But there are many that feel like once they get a C, like, oh, my God, my life is, everything's going wrong and everything. Some things are hard. That's what learning is, whether it be an instrument, a sport, uh, how to cook, how to change a tire, how to learn a subject. Like, a it's foreign hard. language. You're not, gonna, yes. you're not going to always get it right the first, second, or third time. You have to struggle. And I think the struggle is kids have a hard time struggling now and picking themselves back up. Um, all right, so you left here and you went to college because let's get, get beyond the Maris early years. You left and went to college. Where did you all go to school? What did you do when you left Marist? I got as far away as I could and went to St. Xavier. <laughs> I, got, I got a mile down the road. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it, it, it was good. I, I enjoyed my time there, and it was a good place, and they had a good education program. And Why did you choose it? Education. Uh, I knew they were a good education school. Uh, football uh, I was a, a, a team that I kind of felt like I could do something there uh, on the field, and mm -hmm. so between the football and, and having a, a good ed program, yeah, that was uh, that those were my reasons for going there. Um, and I, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was probably the best place I, I could have gone. Mm -hmm. 
I chose to go to Illinois State University, two hours south in Bloomington Normal. Best decision of my life. Um, I thought I wanted to be a social worker, and then my father said they make no money. You can't major in social work. Uh, so I said, okay, I'm going to be a history teacher. Because they make so much more yeah, money. My yeah. dad was a teacher, yeah. so I'm like, I'll go to Illinois State. I'll be a teacher. Um, and meeting people from all over the state, not just from the south side, uh, doing the random roommate thing and living with a, a guy from the Quad Cities my freshman year just taught me a lot about different cultures uh, in different parts of the state. And uh, I ended up staying at Illinois State and got another degree, and I thought I was going to be working there forever. It was just really a, uh, I grew up and became a man at that, un- at that university with the support from a lot of people. That's awesome. Yeah, and after here, I went to Dominican University. Um, I knew I didn't want to go too far, and I knew I shouldn't go too big. Um, while I was there, I studied criminology and sociology. And sorry, Mr. Ryan, I did get a master's in social work. Uh, <laughs> but it's worked out pretty good. Yeah, I was going to uh, say. It's worked out pretty good. Not too bad. You're doing pretty well for yourself. Yeah. It was, uh, Dominican was easy for me, especially early, because of going through here. So for me, I mean, if we're being honest, I got a really good scholarship from there. Uh, finances was a big part of my decision on where to go and when to go. Yeah, it is for most people. It's a ton. I mean, college is a ton of money, and um, I knew I wanted an advanced degree. So I think based on the way I was prepped here, um, I, was, I had the good fortune of getting that scholarship and mm-hmm. being able to uh, you know, help me and my family out. So, I mean, to this day, I tell the story about going to my history class in college twice for the midterm and the final because I had Mr. Coe's Western Civ Honors book for my sophomore year. So it was really, uh, it was a family decision and it it just made best sense. Yeah, for uh, Illinois State was an easy decision for me because Pat Hennessy and Kim Myers uh, just said, fill out this paperwork, we think you can get a scholarship. And then over spring break of my senior year, that letter came in the mail that I did receive. Um, quite a bit of money every year for four years. Uh, the stipulation is you had to go to a public, in-state public university. So mm-hmm. once that scholarship came through, uh, thanks to Pat Hennessy and Kim Myers, it was a no-brainer that I was going to go to Illinois State. Yeah. And I was I was so prepared going to Zavs. I mean, uh, I learned how to write. I mean, teachers like you and, and Frank Maritello, I mean, the amount of writing that, that, that we did, I mean, that, that was the easy part for me where friends in college struggled with writing and, and thank God for, for Frank, I had him to junior and senior year and oh, really wow. learned how to, yep. how to write in his class. He, he was one of my favorite teachers. I, I really, I, I owe a lot to him uh, and, and having people like Brother Rich and, and, and Mike Morrison and, you know, uh, with history, it, it, it sort of solidified that that's what I wanted to do. and. So I, I, I had a, a solid background going, going to Zavs, and it, it made it uh, that much easier to just be able to go in and, and, like you said, engage with the material. But, but I knew that I would be successful. I never thought that that would be you know, an issue at all. So um, college ends, and you either get your first job and it's not here, or your first job and it is here. So um, what was your first job at college? Well, my first job out of college was here. Yeah. I started in 2002 as an intern, uh, thanks to some wonderful people up in the guidance department. And I started at 22 the same year, 200 something girls came in um, and was absolutely terrified. Of the girls uh, or just yes, like of the girl, your... both. <laughs> of the girls. Yeah, right. Uh, working in general. Um, Being back here, did you think it was going to be strange? Was it strange? I it was very strange and I think you know there's a there's a little bit of me and we've talked about this before Michael that wishes I didn't get to peek behind the curtain because it was such a a good four years it was such a protected four years it was such a fun four years Mm -hmm. that like peeking behind the curtain a little bit it's got its pluses and minuses correct it absolutely does it absolutely does but I, yeah, I, I've worked my way through my career in different areas, but I've been here since my 20th school year. It's crazy. Um, yeah, it, but it is crazy. But it was... Uh, like for, I said, time doesn't stop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
it was just a fit. I don't know if I was supposed to, I don't know what it was. But it felt good right away. It felt good right away. I knew it's something I wanted to do. I knew it would be a community that I could, you know, be taken care of as well as thrive in. So it was, yeah. I got really lucky, if I'm being honest. Really lucky. How about you two? Um, yeah, I... First job out of college? Here. Here? Yeah, here. Um, I had, I'd interviewed and, and I, I tanked. I tanked my interview here. I know I did not do well, and, and uh, Mr. Harper was right to hire somebody else. But um, I had a job uh, lined up and, and agreed to it in principle at, uh, at a middle school out in Matson. And uh, Joe and Zinga called and said, hey, we have an opening in religion. And I, I had to think about it. And I thought, you know, I, I want to be in high school. That was where, where I really wanted to be. And I thought, okay, two years. I'll go to Marist for two years. I'll get some experience, and and then I'll I'll get out and and go to a public school. And sixteen years later, I'm I'm still here. And um, you know, like Eric, I you know I I got very lucky. Um, it's felt like home ever since. And sure, it has its challenging days, mm-hmm. but I, like any job, yeah, like anything and anywhere. But uh, it's just it's felt right and felt like home and. So I got, I got very lucky. So unlike these two, I uh, graduated from Illinois State. I stayed on and worked there three years. Uh, during those three years, I got my master's in college and university administration. I worked in the student conduct office. And then I was also a hall director of a residence hall where I never slept for an entire school year, <laughs> dealing with student emergencies. <laughs> oh and you would be very good at that. Yes, though. I was what great at the job. He's I was great at the job. He's good when he's on fire. He's very good at putting out fires. Yeah, it prepared me to do uh, a lot of things in life. But uh, being in Bloomington Normal for seven years, I, I just realized that I had missed a lot of, part, uh, a lot of family life and my siblings were growing up and I didn't really know them. They were all at the University of Illinois in Urbana because they're all very intelligent. Uh, And I just went home for Christmas one year and I felt like I wasn't a part of the family because I had been gone for so long. And so I thought I just gotta get back to Chicago, find a job at a university in Chicago. Um, Those jobs are very hard to come by. And I saw uh, Maris was hiring for a college counselor I applied for it. I was the last interview. I was like a pity interview. I wasn't supposed to get the job. <laughs> it's true. He killed it. He wasn't supposed to. It's true. Really? I was not supposed no. to get the job. They already had picked somebody, but Brother Vito's like, he's an alum. Just interview him. I was there. It's true. And it's I came true. in, and I guess I impressed the pants off of him. because <laughs> That's true, too. <laughs> because they That's hired so me. crazy. And I thought I was going to be here for like two years. You know, yeah, it was my ticket thing. back to be with my par- uh, parents and my siblings. And then once I started here, it was just like coming home and a, a really good community. It was a great, it still is a great place to work. Um, and 15 years later, I'm still here and I don't regret anything. Yeah, I have to say that I, I get all of that, but I'm not from here. So the part about the family, yes, I moved away from my family and it's still, my husband will tell you, it's still hard to kind of watch me leave there. It's not easy. And you don't always know if you're doing it right in life, you know, like, I guess. Um, but it feels right. And when I was here and was here six years and made the decision to leave, I remember sometimes I wouldn't even go down 115th Street because I just couldn't do it. Mm. I couldn't see the place. I just felt mm. like I, yeah. I didn't want to see it because I felt the guilt of leaving the place. Um, and there was such emotion tied to it because you had done so much and given so much and been cared for here by so many people, not just like the students and the families of the students, but like you guys were saying earlier, but the people that you worked with, like it was such a fondness and all of that, but times change and they move on and then it's even stranger, they, they bring you back here. So um, how's it been for you guys working here? I mean, it's 20 years, 16 years overall. It, it's a job, it is a job, but it is a place that, um, like I just said, is just you're, it's rooted in your heart, which makes it harder to kind of. There's a lot of people that get up and just go to work, and like I keep saying, this is just a job because I keep trying to tell myself that because <laughs> as a principal, it is. It's a lot, and there's a lot of things going on every single day. So by saying that expression, it's just a job. I I, I can say like I get up, I come here, and then at some point the day ends, even if it's into the evening. But it's definitely more than a job. We know that when you're dealing with this many other humans every day. 
it's more than a job, but um, I would hope that you guys would think this is a, a great place to be, and overall it's it's maybe shaped and impact who you are. And yeah, I mean, oh, no doubt. Our students here are the best students that you could ask for uh, at the high school level. Uh, our students' parents and their families are supportive and involved and when you see them out in the community they make you feel really special mm -hmm. uh, they're really appreciative for your efforts our co-workers here our teachers work their butts off and our support staff works their butts off and you know at the end of the day everybody has ideas of how to make this place the best and sometimes we don't always agree but we have the right intentions of how do we make Marist this best learning community, this best faith community, um, and we learn from each other. And, you know, I'm not married, I don't have children, but, you know, the faculty members at this, at this really special place uh, have become like brothers and sisters for me for the past 15 years. Um, and that's just something really special about working here that I don't know if I would have had that same feeling if I was at a different school. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I doubt it. I mean, if it has felt very much like a vocation over the past 20 years as opposed to a job I mean don't get me wrong I've had some really rough moments and and had some uh, some of the, the best moments of my career but also some of the hardest but uh, even in the hard moments I appreciated it because like Patrick said the people around you help you get through it mm -hmm. um, you know it just just the guys at this table alone I've had the opportunity to hang out with and Go to dinner with, split a couple cold beverages. Go to Europe. Go to Europe. Go to Europe. <laughs> yeah, these yeah, are... Yeah, like almost grow up with. Yes. Yeah. Well, and I, these are guys... I asked Michael his advice a couple of weeks ago on a very personal matter. Mm -hmm. So um, I just think it's it's different when you give yourself to Catholic education. You, you know what you're getting into, but it's the, the people along the way that you meet, whether it's a mentor or a friend or a disciplinarian, that kind of has made it all worthwhile for me. Yeah, this this isn't a place that you just go to for an entire career. If you're here, it's because you want to be here. This right. is not a place where you go to phone it in and show up from 7.30 to, to 2.40 and then go home. Mm -hmm. um, the people that, that are here, and uh, like these guys have said, you you want to be here, that you have a passion for the place, and, and it comes through um, in, in everybody's own unique way. Um, you know whether whether it's in the club that they moderate or the uh, the sport that they coach or whatever whatever that might be. You 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 get the best of everybody, uh, and that's I think that's what separates us. And and uh, just to echo, I, yeah, I mean we we've, we've all kind of had the chance to grow up together. I mean I I was twenty four when I started here, and 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 these are guys that I've you know. That, that know as much about me as anybody. Um, and and I, I called Eric a couple of weeks ago too about something really serious and with, with my family and I needed his advice. And um, so yeah, you're, you're not just coworkers, you, you, you do get to be family. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, not a, it's not a line, it's not a cliche. It, that really is what you get here. Okay, so I, I anticipated laughing. I anticipated maybe even having to bleep out some swear words, but I did not. I'm trying. I didn't anticipate almost crying. Like that—that that, that is really. I mean, so the one special thing about this place is there's so many teachers and staff that have been here for so long yes. right. that I mean, I look around and there's all these teachers that when we started we were in our 20s and then we saw them get married and have children and now they're raising their children and now they're moms and dads of two, three, four kids. Um, and it's just, there's something really sweet yeah. to be able to watch your friends mm -hmm. and coworkers turn into parents. And like you said, time doesn't stop. Time doesn't stop. And like when I was hired here and worked beside some of those Marist legendary people that we all know and you had as teachers, they also move on in life and retire and leave. And then you fold mm -hmm. in a little bit of new, a little bit of new, a little bit of new. And it's a matter of, you know, do they just by being here, get a sense of all of that stuff. And it's slowly, but, you know, slowly, like, people come and people discover and people stay. Um, and there's more new faces than there are those old faces. And I think that's part of the challenge, too, of, of being at Marist. I know 
for me coming back, it was it was a really hard decision for many reasons personally, but it was also a very easy decision. And I always tell the story of when I came for my interview and Karen Lawrence said they're gonna be a couple minutes, they're running late. And I said, okay, I'm gonna go sit in the chapel. Cause I could have sat right outside the office where there were chairs. And I was mm-hmm. like, no, I'm gonna go sit in the chapel. As soon as I got in that chapel, I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm back here. I know it. I feel it. It's right. And then you're tugging at you, like you have the head heart thing that, that you have going on. And, and so for those same reasons, it was like, I'm going to return, but I've returned in a totally different chair. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what's intimidating now <laughs> is like, we are the new, the new, the new legends. I wasn't going to no. use that word. I did. Yeah. I did. No. We We're are the new the, old people. We are the new old people. And you're what's next? Miss Matthews, I counsel your daughter, yeah. right? Like, oh, God, it's <laughs> yeah. crazy. That is crazy. Yes, Claire Dunbeck is goes to Eric Christian. I was just on a Kairos with Ryan Tucker. Yeah. Um, but it but it's also it's the cool it's the cool factor. Like that is such mm-hmm. a cool life experience to see it come around generally generationally. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a word. Is it? Are you? Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, you're the English teacher. English teacher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that that's very humbling, very humbling, and really cool. And really cool. Um, did you? Because I didn't. Did you ever, ever, ever think that when we were together back in the classroom that we'd be sitting here like this today? Never. Not, not, not a chance. chance. No chance. Not a chance. Not a chance. No so chance. Anyway, it's funny where God's plan, what He has in store for you. And, I never would have thought this. And when it was discovered or did mrs miss matthews is interviewing mrs dumbeck is interviewing like were you guys like what the heck or like you, you i was pu- super you definitely excited pumped me up you definitely <laughs> pumped me up and made me think like this is the right decision to make because that was important people that i knew before could say that to me it wasn't just you know buying a bag of fool's gold it was that the actual real thing um it was, it was good to have somebody who understood what the place was and who understood the history and, and the the tradition that's here to to come back. Mm-hmm. And it's I, still it's still hard being the one that's coming after someone who's been here as long as Larry Tucker has been here. And um, it's still I'm not going to say that it's not, that it's not easy to do that because, you know, he's he himself is a legend and mm-hmm. he himself has, you know, so much um love for the place. My god, so much love for the place. Um and so much love for him, for everyone around him. And so, you know, and so, and when someone new comes, it also means changing a little bit or getting used to that new, new person. And so that's, that's something if I could say shit that I'm, I've challenged myself with and I'm struggling with a little bit, but you figure it out because you have people around you that maybe remind you of things or, or that you can lean into for advice on stuff like that. But that's, it's 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 the Marist of old blending with the Marist of now type of thing, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. You guys have any other uh, comments at the end here? I usually ask for advice, like advice to your former Marist self. Things you wish you knew mm. then. I would tell my former self, settle down a little bit. Um, listen more than you than you talk and roll with it. I think a lot of times, especially when you're younger, you try to con- control things and you, you try to have things figured out and then you get older and you realize you really don't know much of anything. Um, so I, if, if I was talking to 18-year-old Eric, I'd say settle in, enjoy the ride, and don't forget to smell the roses. Keep your mouth shut sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I would tell former Patrick, well, I went by Pat back then, so I guess I would have to tell Pat to be more patient and to uh, appreciate what you have in your family. Uh, Looking back now, I don't think I appreciated the sacrifices my parents made to send all four of us to St. Linus and Damaris. They were a teacher and a nurse living in Oak Lawn, uh, and they sacrificed a lot to send all four of their uh, children to Catholic school. So I should have appreciated them more, and uh, I wish I would tell myself to appreciate what you have with your siblings more uh, growing up, because now that we're older, I love my brothers and my sister and my nieces and nephews they gave me, but back then I don't think I, uh, I made any attempt to be close with them, and those were some lost years I feel like 
could have been better. Mm-hmm. God, I, I probably would have told myself to definitely to pay attention more, um, to listen to Mr. Slozar more, that he really knew what he was talking about, <laughs> um, that, if, that if you just show up you know, and, and do the work, good things will happen. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and probably not to be as worried about the small stuff the way I used to be, that, that in the end you do figure things out. That's probably about probably what I needed to hear back then. Um, any advice? That advice sounds like would be the same advice you give to current students. Anything other than you'd say to the current students of now? Do what I did in chemistry and engage in your material. It's tiring and exhausting, but when you put forth that, that strong effort and you know you gave it your best, regardless of the grade, it still feels really good that you took control of your learning and you were in the driver's seat of how you were going to do in that course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I tell them, don't be worried about the grade. Uh, challenge yourself more. Um, mm-hmm. Get outside your comfort zone and, and be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Um, but also to, to, to get involved. Just put yourself out there. Be involved in anything and everything you can. Mm-hmm. Uh, you only get to do this once. And, and I was a kid who did not get involved in a ton of things, and I, I wish I would have... Uh, done that a little bit more as well so just jump in with both feet and you're going to be fine Mm -hmm. and keep your mindset right I really think like if you I believe in the old saying that if you believe you can't you won't and um, you you can't live that way you have to believe in yourself you have to believe that you're doing things the right way and with purpose and uh, don't be afraid of what's on Instaface or Snapgram (laughs) or (laughs) Just, just, just do you. You are old. I am old. Just believe in yourself. Like, that's the one thing that really instilled in me. And and I wouldn't say it to my old self because it was told to me by the people here. You can do this. You can get through it. You can figure it out. You can do it. Just don't listen to the noise and grind away. Advice to somebody who's not from Marist who maybe was recently hired here, let's say within the last couple of years hired, because there are some people that are new here. And so what would you say to them about being an employee of Marist? I would say, I would say reach out to the people around you, figure out the way it's done and how you can continue to make it better and continue to make it grow mm-hmm. I mean we all got here on the the shoulders of legends like you said um, somebody new here lay low understand the culture learn the culture and uh, figure out how you can make it even better for the next 5 10 20 years of kids and I would say that there the people here do care about you and your success and your growth and that if there are things you need you reach out and that, mm-hmm. that anybody here is happy to help you um, and, and wants you to do well um, and uh, you know if it, and it's okay to lean into what we're doing here too that it's okay to, to jump on on board with that mission of loving our kids and I think that's when you you'll get the most out of this place yeah most people are hired here to teach content but I would say remember you're teaching students and get to know the students. Uh, get to know what their struggles are, what their challenges are. Uh, know when they're successful and sharing that success. And when they're having a bad day and they're down, you're right there with them. Um, and get to know the Marist student. Um, we didn't talk about your current role, so why don't we tell everybody if they need to get in touch with you, if they're listening or they want to reach back out to you, what are you currently doing here at Marist? I am a school counselor for the senior class. Shoot me an email. Give me a ring. That's right. Whatever you need. Yeah. Uh, I'm in campus ministry. Um, and uh, same same here. Email, whatever I can do to help. Yeah. Uh, I do a lot with our student information system and our learning management system. So if you have any questions or thoughts about Skyward or Canvas <laughs> or our belt schedule or master calendar yeah, or whatever, or feel schedule. free to email People me. We have a lot of thoughts about our schedule, <laughs> so we always need help with our schedule. Um, so at the end here, I like to do a Red Hawks want to know, which is like an, a rapid fire 
I say something, mm. you say something. The first one's a little the, loaded, so be careful with your response. Get the B button ready. Yeah. yeah. Uh, favorite thing to do on a Saturday without anything else planned and no commitments to Maris, because you guys spent a lot of time here over the years. It's a Saturday, you got an open day. What are you doing? Pizza and Netflix on the couch. Watch college football. Uh, hanging out with my family, hanging out in the yard, and ended up on the couch. Very nice. Favorite holiday and why? Thanksgiving, family, no expectations. Thanksgiving, family, and food. Well, I can't say Thanksgiving, too. Um, you can if it's your favorite one. I like Fourth of July. Um, it's like kind of the middle of the summer. It's my favorite It's my favorite months to be at Marist High School, June, <laughs> July, and August. It's a great one to choose. It's, yeah, just fun and... Lighthearted. No worries. It's all about celebration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll call them explosives. Okay, <laughs> who would you play as the actor in, or who would you choose to be the actor in the story of your life if it was made into a movie? Who's the actor playing Patrick, Michael, or Eric? I think I'd want to be Chris Farley. <laughs> yes, he, he's like, damn. Yeah, Chris Farley, yeah. Playing. I think that would be appropriate. Yeah. It might be the... Uh, I think back to one of my favorite shows of all time, The West Wing, and someone who mimicked the personality that maybe I have or under stressful situations. Uh, so I would say he's gone now, but John Spencer, uh, who played the White House Chief of Staff on The West Wing, who is also show. an LA oh, that Law. Was a great show. Uh, John Spencer would play me. Very nice. All right, since Eric took Chris Farley from me, uh, I'll go with George Wendt. Mm. <laughs> Excellent choice. Great choice. Norm. Norm. <laughs> and a job, last one. Job you wish you had? I always wanted to be the White House press secretary. <laughs> and given you the, given the briefings uh, in the White House, working for the government, trying to make the country better. Can you do the, be that person for me <laughs> right now? Let's figure out how to make that a job for you, for me. You're actually doing some of that now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yes. I'd be a race car driver. The thrill, man. I, I think I'd either be a, an FBI agent kicking doors in or a dude selling seashells on the, the ocean side. I don't know. I other. could see either one. one of those those <laughs> yeah. I could see either one. Well, thanks for being here. I love all three of you. You're great to be working with. It's great to have you in my classroom. It's wild. It's been a wild ride, and hopefully we continue to, like you say, enjoy, enjoy the view from where we are. Thanks for having, thanks us. For having us. Appreciate you.